plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Welcome to our power partners. This is an informational playground brought to you by Be the Star You Are Charity. We are coming to you live on the Voice American Network. This is the empowerment channel because I want to be your empowerment architect. My name is Cynthia Bryan and I am here to catapult you to the stars. The miracle moment for today is brought to you from Be The Star You Are charity, please visit the website bethestaryouare.org. And while you're there, pick up copies of our new books that several volunteers have participated in. So bethestaryouare.org. The Miracle Moment is by Joseph Campbell. The privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. And I love this quote because I believe in being unapologetically authentic. And we're going to talk about that actually in today's show. We're going to be talking about bouncing back. When life is really cruel and it's hard to laugh it off, how resilient are you? Resiliency shows that you can be happier and healthier. You'll be less likely to develop PTSD, depression, anxiety. So being able to bounce back after injuries or surgeries or difficult challenges It is the realm of optimists, but how can we all learn that so that we too can have this skill and help us lead a happier life? That's coming up in our second segment. In the third segment, I'm calling it Past the Mustard because it's all about leafy greens and growing your own and being healthy, whether you have a pot or a plot. The plant seeds that uh, that go into mustard, you're probably, if, to, if you're in any place where there's not snow now, you're probably seeing mustard greens that are um, in the fields because some of them just grow naturally and they have a yellow, yellow flowers and there's just, they kind of blanket the um, landscapes. But those are the same seeds that go into your, you know, your gray poupon and everything else. So... They have fiber and they're all kinds of good things. So we're going to talk about what other superfoods that you can have growing this winter as long as you're not, you know, covered in snow, as I know so many of you are. We've had just lots and lots and lots of rain here in Northern California and tons of snow up in the mountains. And I think the rest of the United States is is uh, having equal amounts of um, of let's say extreme weather. So in any case, we'll be grateful for the water. We just wish we could save all of it. Well, I recently got, um, had an email sent to me and the email read, I am a silent admirer. I, uh, I, 
listened to your radio show and I was reading an article and I thought that you may like this. So because it goes with your message of be the star you are and a message of being your best self that has gone on for so long. And I just thought I would actually read this out on the radio because when I read this message, I agreed. I think that this isn't a, these are really incredible lessons. And it's called Nine Invaluable Lessons I Learned in the Real World. And um, this was from a post that someone had posted. And I don't know who it was but um, because this was just sent to me. So I apologize that I don't know who this, um, who this person was. But in any case, I do think it's very helpful. And I think that you'll find some value in it too. So it starts off by saying that school never asked me, how do you learn? Instead, school told me how I should learn. And these are nine things that school didn't teach me. And this was the story. When this person was in third grade, he or she had to write a paragraph about something that um, he or she loved and then draw a picture in the, bo- in the box above it. And all the students were asked to draw and write in pencil. And then once the teacher had checked the work, then we were supposed to carefully go over every word in the paragraph with a black pen, creating the finished product. Well, when I started going over the words with my black pen, I outlined the first word of the paragraph, and then I outlined the second. And I thought it would be fun to outline the last word of my story, and then some words in the middle, just sort of outlining the letters that I was drawn to next, not following any sort of rigid path. And the teacher walked over and said, well, how's it coming? I held my piece of paper to show her how far I'd gotten. I was really proud of my work. She scrunched her eyebrows, she crossed her arms, and she said, why aren't you going over the words in order? I was confused by that question. And I said, very honestly, well, they're all going to be colored in at the end. Why does it matter how I get there? Well, she called my home that night, told my parents that I must have a learning disability. My experience with with formal education was, shall we say, less than impressive. I was a straight C student all the way up through high school. I was a horrible test taker. I didn't do well on my ACT. I was constantly asked to leave class because the questions I asked were so rudimentary that my teachers thought I was mocking them when really, most of the time, I just had trouble following the lesson. The reality is is that not everybody learns the same way, and I believe a significant portion of my adolescence was wasted by a school system that tried to wedge me into a tiny circle. I'm not dumb. I've been playing Mozart and Beethoven on the piano since I was seven. I've won writing contests and debate competitions. I'm about to publish my first book. I just learn better by getting my hands dirty, not sitting in a fake desk chair listening to a monotone teacher in front of a whiteboard now I'll be the first to admit I definitely did not give school everything I had I gave up on school at a very early age mostly because I felt like school gave up on me school never said to me how do you learn instead school told me how I should learn and when it didn't work out school called me dumb And so these are nine things that school didn't teach me that I learned on my own. And as an aside, this is just Cynthia putting in my um, two cents here. Having worked with young people my entire life, 
I couldn't agree more with what this person just wrote because I totally believe that we all are different kinds of learners. And yes, we have to be ourselves. And this is something that our school systems need to learn is that every one of us is unique. Every one of us is different. This is the message of be the star you are. And that also means that we have different ways of learning. Some of us are visual. Some of us are kinesthetic. Some of us are audio. And I know for me, if someone shows me how to do something, I get it the first time. If I have to read the rule book or I have to read how to do it, it'll take me 10 tries to do something. But, you know, you get a new phone or you get a new computer or you're setting up uh, an audio system, whatever you're doing. If someone shows me how to do it and I can see it, my hands can do it. So we have to really understand what people, uh, how people learn, and we have to go to their strengths. So here are the nine things that school didn't teach this person that he or she learned on on their own, and I think that they're rules we can all live by. Number one, there are no rules. The people who enforce the rules are the people who don't have the confidence or the belief that the world is an easel, and everyone has a paintbrush. So I think this is a good one, is just believe that the world is your canvas and that everyone paints in a different way. Number two, titles are crippling, not the goal. All the kids that got straight A's, went to Ivy League schools of their choice, got the fancy title at the fancy company, they can keep it. Titles are crippling. Titles encourage you to relax and to let your title speak for you instead of your skill and knowledge earning you other people's respect. But when push comes to shove, it's the people who have gotten their hands dirty in the trenches that you want on your team. You don't want the ones with the fancy titles in front of their name. And then I'll just give an aside here. I think that going for a goal is always a good thing. And I think it's great if you can get straight A's or go to the great schools or whatever it is. But I do agree that it's not the title that makes you the best in the room or that makes you the, the star you are. It really is who you are. So titles really are nothing. Number three, there is no one right way to do anything. This is a massive disservice of that schools teach kids, that there's a right way and a wrong way. There are a million ways, and the name of the game isn't to do it any one particular way. It's to understand which one works the best for you and will allow you to maximize your strengths. I agree with this um, statement as well. I don't know how many of you ever have watched the TV series Young Sheldon. People might love it or hate it. But I did see an episode that I thought was really brilliant. And it was um, an episode that had a, uh, a very famous scientist that was giving a problem. And Young Sheldon was having to to figure it out. Well, he got the right answer, but he didn't do it the way that the scientists wanted. And so uh, young Sheldon went to great effort to prove to the scientists that it didn't matter how you got to the answer as long as you got to the right answer. And I thought that was interesting because I do remember in school how teachers would say that there was only one way to the right answer. And I'm not sure that's the case. I think that there's a lot of different ways. 
Number four, how is more important than what? How you do something is far more important than what you do. In every industry, there are those who do things with honor, integrity, discipline, passion, and heart, and those who do things with malicious intent or lack of sincerity. Think about the people who respect uh, and who you respect and look up to. You look up to them because of how they approach what they do, not what they do. Number five, acceptance is overrated. Remember all those class projects you had to do? Remember all the times you were told to agree with your classmates for the sake of learning how to work well with others? Well, that cultivates a bad habit of suppressing your own unique voice and the great debates that spark truly meaningful ideas. Being accepted is overrated, and the real world has taught me that the hard way. And I would agree here, too. It's not about acceptance. It's really about forging a path and sticking to it, and living with integrity. Number six, learning how to learn is what's important. Reiterating the point here, school would be so much more beneficial if it taught students how to learn, not what to learn. What good is memorizing chemistry equations if you don't fundamentally understand the process of learning? So many kids struggle as soon as they get out of school because they don't have anyone telling them anymore, hey, learn this next. They lack direction because they were never taught the art of learning. And I think that we can never stop learning. So it's really important that we just learn how to learn. Seven, your passion is not a waste of time. School and society at large wants us to believe that there are acceptable hobbies and hobbies that are a waste of time. It's the reason the first departments to go are always art, music, auto shop. But what you love is never a waste of time. You will always learn more from an interest pulled at from your heart than a pursuit dangled in front of your head. And this one is one of of my favorites because that is one of my biggest bugaboos is that we're being trained to be the doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. And yes, it's totally fine if that's what you want to go for. But the world needs everyone and all of us are skilled. And I remember working with kids who were really good with their hands, but they weren't so good at understanding math problems. But if it related to something they were working on, like, you know, if they were rebuilding an engine and they had to figure out how much gas it would take or something, they could do it. So go to your passions. Do what you love. Don't do what you think you have to do. Eight, success does not have one definition. School likes to measure things, usually in the form of a letter grade besides each subject of study. It inherently defines success as better or higher or more, but it's just not true. Success could mean honest expression. It could mean presence. It could mean facing a challenge. It could mean failing. It could mean learning a valuable lesson. Success comes in many different forms, and it's not always about getting an A, B, C, D, or whatever. Now, this was an interesting one to me because in going through my parents' house, we recently came upon my dad's uh, high school report cards. And that is, you know, we're talking uh, um, high school back in the 1940s. And what I found so fascinating is they did not give grades. Instead, they gave adjectives like, you know, um, a, a great achievement or very flexible or earnest. And I thought that was just really brilliant. There, 
there wasn't anything on this report card that would make you feel inferior or less than. The report card really had all these positive adjectives that you would be able to improve upon and feel good about yourself. Maybe that's what we have to get back to. And number nine, it's okay to be different. This is the most important one of all. Who you are is already good enough. School has this funny way of making kids that are different feel extra different, extra weird, extra not normal. But you know what? Get out into the real world and the most valuable thing you could possibly be is different because everybody wants to stand out. Everybody wants something that's going to set them apart. And you have what everybody wants. So just remember that. And back to that, just be unapologetically um, authentic. I think that this is such an important thing for all of us to know is be the star you are. Be who you were born to be and be different. Different is really good. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'm going to help you bounce back from tragedies and disasters and failures and challenges when we come back from break you're listening to star style be the star you are we're coming to you live on the voice american network don't go away i'll be with you again in just a couple minutes be the star you are follow us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is Well, Cynthia is back, and I hope that you are embracing being different. Well, how do you bounce back? Uh, when I was first, I, I mean, before I wrote any books at all, and I was just returning 
from a, um, a television producers conference in New Orleans, I met at Roger Crawford, who had written a book called How High Can You Bounce? It was on a bestseller list. And it really always stuck with me. He's actually responsible for helping me get my first editor and my first literary agent and encouraged me to write my first book. So I will be forever grateful to Roger. But bouncing back when life is a cruel joke, you know, it's hard to be that person that laughs it off. So we have to train ourselves to be resilient in order for us to be healthier. Now, sometimes it's the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left, wrote um, Isaac Perlman. He's the violinist who became a virtuoso despite having contracted polio at age four, and he was on crutches or in a wheelchair most of his life. Now, most of us don't play concertos, but at one point or another, we're all going to be knocked down by life. We're going to have a sick child. We're going to lose a job. We're going to have a troubled marriage. We're going to break up with a partner. And somehow, we're going to have to resume everyday business of living with some joy and purpose. And how well you do that can depend on your level of resilience. In other words, how high can you bounce? What is your ability to bounce back? Now, Dr. Dennis Charney, he's the dean of the School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City, has spent decades researching how people can bounce back from tragedies. He began his career studying people with uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and it occurred that we could learn more from people who had the same kind of trauma as PTSD patients, but either never developed the condition or managed to overcome it, he wrote. Now, he and his team learned that resilient people are less likely to be diagnosed with mental health struggles like PTSD, depression, anxiety, which may not come as a surprise because increasingly research has shown that the ability to thrive despite difficulties and despite challenging circumstances speeds recovery from injury, from surgery, it reduces pain, it improves healthy outcomes for just a wide variety of conditions. Now, optimists are less likely to suffer from angina and heart attacks, and they tend to recover better from coronary artery bypasses. And people who can speak positively about, you know, mild stressors such as going to college or, uh, or you know, going on an interview for the new job are less likely to need a doctor, according to a research review that was published in the Journal of Personality. Now, a 2008 Annals of Behavioral Medicine study found that osteoarthritis patients who are especially resilient experience less pain than others with the condition. Now, that sounds good. So, That's great for them, you're probably thinking, because one common misconception about resiliency is that you either have it or you don't. But what the experts are agreeing on is it's a skill we can learn and we can cultivate it. And we can actually move the needle towards being more resistant. So how do we do that? First of all, if you've ever reacted to some really bad news by collapsing in tears, eating a pint of ice cream getting mad at your partner, you might think that those are not coping skills of a particularly resilient person. And by the way, I have done all of those. But actually, they are resilient skills, says Angela Duckworth, a doctor, professor of psychology 
at the University of Pennsylvania because she interviewed dozens of CEOs, athletes, spelling bee champions, and other highly resilient people for her book called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. And they were all very quick to share stories about their moments of weakness. And she's not talking about the time that somebody gets a B plus on a test. She was talking about the time that you tried to kill yourself or the years that you spent battling an eating disorder. So what happens is resilient people, they're not perfect and they don't always know what the heck they're doing. In fact, scientists found that when animals encounter stressful circumstances, one of the first things that their brands do is to activate, activate a hopelessness circuit. Now, in humans, this can manifest as intense feelings of grief or anger and sometimes a profound need to binge watch Netflix (laughs) in your bathrobe. There's a, a period of time when you almost inevitably have to feel despondent. There's a neurobiological reason, says Duckworth, that lasts for a few days because it's only after those feelings are cleared out that any hope can kick in. So that flood of negative feelings may be your brain's way of grappling with a really tough reality. Facing your problems is a key step towards acceptance. And to understand hope, you first have to also understand hopelessness. So what that means is let yourself be sad. And in that light, I can remember this, I don't know how many years now um, this happened. It was, I think, around 2007. The, the financial market, or maybe it was 2008, I guess. So the financial markets were collapsing. Um, investments and IRAs and, you know, any of your retirements had literally gone down 50 60%. And then we found out that all of our house, all of the outside um, wood had to be taken off. And in fact, our house had to be stripped down to the studs because there were some problems that the builder had neglected to put um, flashing on the roof to protect it from dry rot, et cetera. So we basically, we had to rebuild our house. And when I found out and I realized we didn't have the money that was the bid, we t- couldn't get a loan from the bank, the markets had collapsed, and we were going to be stuck. And I remember cl- literally falling down in the, cr- in the kitchen and just crying and crying and crying and not knowing what we were going to be able to do. And it took me a few days to get through get this over and then realizing, okay, I don't have any choices here. So I've got to go into a mode to figure out what are we going to do? And it was little by little. And I'm here today to say that we were able to solve it. We came out. Okay. It was very painful and very stressful, but by taking an attitude that yes, we can do this because we had no other choice other than move into a tent or into our cars Um, you know, we were able to survive it. So I really understand that. Let yourself feel really sad. And then somehow the answers come. So you can control what you can control. And then you got to let the rest go. So Dr. Duckworth likes to point to a famous experiment that was performed at the University of Pennsylvania in the psychology doctoral students. And this was back in 1967. So it's quite a long time ago, in which dogs were given a mild electric shock to their back paws. Now, half the dogs can make the shocks stop by pushing their nose against a panel in their, in their cages. Now, the other half could do nothing. 
And when the same dogs were then subjected to a new round of shocks the next day, the dogs that had control over the previous day's shocks quickly learned that they could jump over a low wall to safety. But two-thirds of the dogs that had not been able to control anything, they just laid down and whimpered until the shocks were over. And what the experiment proved is that it isn't the suffering that leads to chronic hopelessness. It's suffering that you think you can't control. So we often can control the outcome of a job interview, of a surgery, um, of a stressful experience. Sometimes we cannot control those things. But when we concern ourselves with a project related to our problem, whether it's preparing talking points for the interview, joining a support group, you know, or definitely finding someone or a company or a bank to help you finance this disaster that just happened to your house, like happened to ours, or maybe just cleaning the house so as not to live in chaos while your life falls apart. That's when we build resilience. So there are ways of empowering ourselves. And if you stay focused on what you can control, you can avoid becoming paralyzed by the spiral of blame and by asking, why me? Why me? We have far more control than we realize over our attitude and our response to situations. However, we have to know when to be flexible. So people will often ask, is there such a thing as too much resilience? And yes, the answer is yes, because if you keep trying or hoping for something that's never going to happen, you know, it's remember what Einstein said, the definition of insanity was doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. What's well, the same thing with resilience? If you're just trying the same thing over and over and expecting some change, trying hard isn't enough. Being resilient means you have to be willing to try differently. And that entails developing your problem-solving skills. So if you're struggling to land a job in a new field, for example, you can't just blindly send out resumes. Instead, you need to sit down with a coach, a friend, a mentor who can help you pinpoint what has not been working and brainstorm some alternatives and some new strategies that perhaps could work for you. I mean, you know, you have to, if you can't, Jump over it. Maybe you can go through it, go under it. <laughs> you know, you have to figure out a new way. So you got to step back, consider different options, pick a course of action, and then assess how well the new strategy works. Good problem solvers think of new solutions, and then they make necessary changes to approach that. So you know, um, you also need to hone what is called cognitive flexibility or the ability to reevaluate a traumatic experience in order to grow and recover. You can't let tragedies and setbacks limit your life. That's really important. You, you know, if um, Dr. Charney interviewed a friend who was born with spina bifida, she expe- accepted the reality of her condition but she didn't let it limit her view of herself. She learned to swim. She got into Yale. Cognitive flexibility doesn't mean you have to find good in a bad thing because sometimes there's just no good. It just means you don't let the bad thing define you. So for disappointments like a book proposal that didn't sell, I mean, my first book proposal, I think I sent it out to over 100, I think it was went to over 100 different publishers. It was ridiculous. But you just don't give up. You know, like Churchill said, never, never, never give up. So it just means you don't let those things uh, stop you. 
maybe there will be a silver lining. Maybe you'll find it quickly and maybe you'll have to work longer for major catastrophes such as the death of a love of loved one. And we have experienced that too. You may need to enlist a therapist or to help you find um, some peace within yourself. So there's always somebody out there that can help you. You have to find resilient role models. Maybe your role model is your mother, who was the first woman in her family to go to college, or your coworker who survived a rocky divorce and now is friends with your ex. Um, your role models don't need to be people who have dealt with the same challenges you're facing. They just need to have certain traits or strategies that you can emulate. In fact, you don't even need to know them personally as long as their story inspires you. So you can find a lot of inspiration in different books. And I want to suggest, you know, I know this is a blatant uh, promotion, but uh, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers has so many stories in it, all true, that are about resilience and that are inspiring and that really turn those uh, stumbling blocks into stepping stones. So pick up a copy, CynthiaBryan.com, and you can find it on the online store. So the goal is to put together your own roadmap to recovery. Imitation is a powerful way of learning how to be resilient. So if you find someone who has been resilient, Feel free to copy what they've done. And then remember, you want to be a role model too. It's important to pay it forward, not just because it's a nice thing to do. It's because studies show that altruism is a true key to resilience and thus good health. So, for example, people who volunteer with two or more organizations had a 44% lower chance of dying during the study than non-volunteers according to researchers at the University of California at Berkeley. And I can say that from from uh, 20 years now of doing Be the Star You Are as a volunteer, you know, it is, is uh, as um, occupying as it is and as sometimes as frustrating as it is, especially to get donations, I, I feel healthy and happy and it makes me feel good to help others. So when Brooke surveyed 1,500 adults about their early educational experiences, what the doctor found is that a majority considered a time when they had been asked to help out as essential to building self-esteem and motivation. And decades later, they remembered when a teacher had asked them to tutor another student or to help pass out milk. Helping others makes us feel competent. It improves our problem-solving abilities. It gives us a larger sense of purpose. And all that translates to more resilience. So you might join, you know, a walk to raise funds for a disease that might have killed a family member. Or you might share your story on, um, on a group somewhere. But whatever you can do to help people facing the same ordeal, it's going to help you too. I mean, that is the... You know, the paradox of life, right? The more we help others, the more we help ourselves. And then talking it out. If you, if you have people in your life um, who believe in your ability to learn and to do better, even when you really screw something up, that will help you view your glass as half full. Now, it doesn't mean you need your friends to give you pep talks all the time. It can be enough just to have other people in your life who understand what it is that you're going through. When Dr. Charney interviewed former prisoners of war, what he learned is that they had spent hours developing a secret code of taps 
that allowed them to communicate with one another through the walls of their cells. And women may be especially good at connecting with others facing similar obstacles because women are more apt to share their stories of despair and, and sadness with other people. You know, the natural response and stress in women and girls is to reach out. They want to talk. They want to share. They want to feel like, okay, I'm not the only one that this is happening to. And so culturally, we're taught that this is a sign of weakness when we reach out. But we really need to be able to get together on our own and believe that resilience in action happens when we are together sharing our stories. Now, know that you're already doing it. It's fine to hate the worrisome circumstances that you're facing, but consider the benefits. By overcoming stress, you become more resilient. Uh, you, You can't just watch a movie and be more resilient. You have to be in the race yourself, lose, and then see that it's not the end of the world. So once you go through the kinds of ordeals and it, it fires up something that psychologists call our neurological hope circuit, the purpose of which is to inhibit our hopelessness circuit and override the neurons that trigger feelings of despair. So if your current problem feels overwhelming, draw on a past experience and remember how you persevered. You might even want to keep a journal of of, uh, positive things that you're doing so that when you do get to a time of despair, you can look back and see that you do have some paragons of grit. So Get inspired, and whether it is with other people that you know or with a coach or a mentor, at least know that uh, you want to be biased towards hope and that there is strength in numbers. So here are some inspiring uh, quotes that are a reminder of the amazing flexibility of the human spirit. Hang them on your mirror. And the next time you need to tap into your own inner resilience reserves, you'll have a quote that goes with it. If your heart is broken, make art with the pieces. And that was from Shane Goizan and uh, wrote, uh, this was a TED Talk called Blueprint for a Breakthrough. Another one is from J.K. Rowling. We all know who she is. I was set free because my greatest fear had been realized and I was still alive and I still had a daughter whom I adored and I had an old typewriter and I had a big idea. And so rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. And I just read that the chair that she wrote on in uh, when she was completely homeless uh, and was had this chair that she was sitting on in the diner just sold for something like $240,000. So at the at the bottom of hopelessness you can see what happens. This is from Chody um, Picall. She wrote the book, My Sister's Keeper. The human capacity for burden is like bamboo, far more flexible than you ever believe at first glance. And from Helen Keller, although the world is full of suffering, it's also full of overcoming it. And Lindy West, this is Notes from a Loud Woman. Yet it seems like the more abuse I get, the more abuse I court. Barring myself more extravagantly, professing opinions that I know will draw an onslaught, because after all, if I've already adjusted my body temperature, why not face the blizzard so that other women don't have to freeze? So that is your resilience lesson for today. I hope that you will bounce back and just think about how high you can bounce, because we all have 
that available to us. And it's going to make your life a happier one, a healthier one. And just know that when you are at your lowest point, there's only one place to go. And that place is up. So be looking at the stars. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be back in a bit. And we will be running through the mustard. Don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Homeownership is considered one of the most reliable wealth to build personal wealth. However, all those monthly expenses really add up. And if you can reduce your monthly expenses, you'll have more money to put into savings or investments. So here are a few ways that you can do that. Number one, check your utility costs. Fix leaky faucets. Install LED bulbs. Add a low flow shower head. If you live in a sunny area, consider solar. Shop around for lower rates on phones, internet, and cable. Two, check for discounts. Some energy companies offer rebates or discounts for installing energy-efficient appliances, windows, insulation, and doors. Three, really reevaluate your insurance for both your home and your auto. Some companies offer discounts for long-term clients. If yours doesn't, shop around. You could bundle your car and home insurance, ask for discounts for alarms and other security measures. Four, reduce your mortgage payment. For most homeowners, the mortgage payment is the biggest expense. Making additional payments on top of your monthly payment to reduce the interest you're paying or consider refinancing if rates are attractive. By saving just $50 a month, you'll have an additional six, uh, $600 a year. Take an inventory of your monthly expenses and find ways to fatten your wallet. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information or to book a consultation, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan, B-R-I-A-N. Be the star you are, the star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be the Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be the Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376. 376 Moraga, California 94556 Be the star you are dot org Dare to care You are the star Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment It's 
Power Time on Star Style. Beat the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. In seed times, learn. In harvest time, teach. In winter, enjoy. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we're now going to go into the garden with a segment I'm calling Pass the Mustard. Because the mustard uh, plants are growing everywhere now. I was just in India and I was shocked to see fields of yellow blooming mustard everywhere. Well, they're blooming all over uh, the hillsides and the roadways and the orchards and the vineyards here in California as well. And what many people don't realize, this mustard is the exact same mustard that we use in our Grey Poupon and everything else. So... We're going to talk about mustard and other greens during this segment. But the thunder has been clapping. The lightning has been bolting. The skies have opened. Yes, it is raining. It's life-giving rain, and it hasn't stopped here. (laughs) The garden is rejoicing. However, you can't do very much in it. The lawns that were brown from hot summer and autumn were once again a lush, verdant emerald. There are fresh new leaves they are beginning to unfurl on plants presumed expired. Weeds, oh gosh, they're sprouting in every crevice. Worms are back working their tilling magic. The tiny pink buds are exploding on the pink uh, peach trees. There's white blossoms are covering the flowering pears. There are scarlet blossoms on the Chinese flowering quince, a member of the rose family that's highlighting the barren landscapes. So we are smack in the middle of a lot of rain, and yet we're getting close to spring, and we have that opportunity to learn, to teach, and to enjoy in these final days of winter. Now, as you drive along the local roads, you're going to witness fields carpeted in yellow. This is the wild mustard plant. It is the magical staple of my childhood. Now, every year in March, our walnut orchard would be blanketed in five-foot-tall plants that provided my siblings and me abundant opportunities to build forts, hide from our parents, and make mustard leaf uh, sandwiches. We would collect the seeds, we'd mix them in vinegar and sea salt, and we would make our own creations. Our dad would eventually have to till this beneficial crop cover back into the soil as a green manure, and it would add nitrogen and increase drainage and water retention. But, you know, if you want to read a wonderful story, pick up a copy of Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. I have a chapter in there that is about my childhood when my two sisters and I decided to run away. And we uh, only, because it was just too, it was too wet outside. And it was, we really didn't like the end of February and the beginning of March because it was just mud puddles and we were outdoor kids. So we decided to run away and we packed our wagon with everything that we thought would be necessary, you know, like um, our toy dinosaurs and Monopoly money. Uh, (laughs) We forgot that we might need blankets or clothes or food it was just all the main things we had our pogo sticks in there but anyway it's a wonderful little story how we only got a mile down the road because we found the mustard fields and we decided to 
um, make forts and houses in these mustard fields until we finally fell asleep. And so I hope that you'll pick up the book and read the story because I think it's very um, it's very cute. And it turns out that the mustard fields were still on our property. We hadn't even run away far enough to get off of our own land. Well, if you planted seeds of any edible greens or cool-loving crops in the fall, you are now harvesting the members of the mustard family, which would include cabbage and kale and collards and kohlrabi and broccoli and bok choy and cauliflower. Brussels sprouts are forming their sprouts in the axles of the leaves on the stalk. And flavor improves with Brussels sprouts after two or more frosty nights. So if you live in a cold area, you know, don't worry about them. The colder, the better. You're going to have more flavor on those Brussels sprouts. The mustard family includes the genus Brassica, whereby most of the leaves and flowers are very peppery. And since the flower pattern is in the form of a cross, the plants are referred to as cruciferous. You've probably heard it, that how cruciferous vegetables are very good for you. They're called superfoods. They pack a punch with disease-fighting phytochemicals and those are attributed to preventing cancers and cardiovascular diseases. So brassicas are also nutrient and fiber-rich. They have healthy plant omega-3s, vitamin A, C, E, B1, and folic acid. And they're easy to grow from seed in a well-drained, fertile soil that is enriched with compost. Now, because brassicas are prone to pests and soil-borne diseases, you have to make sure to practice crop rotation and don't compost the roots of brassicas. You can use the recycled containers to start seeds indoors in the winter, uh, but these plant varieties are more successful when seeds are just sown directly into the garden. And I'm just one of those people. I'm too lazy to try to plant seeds indoors. I just scatter the seeds outside and kind of whatever grows, grows. And, and I, have, I have just really great vegetable garden. But anyway, there's been recent outbreaks of E. coli infections that you have read about that are... Um, uh, afflicting a variety of leafy greens and specifically romaine lettuce. But by growing your own vegetables and greens, not only is it less expensive, but it's safer because you have the power to control what goes into your soil. So seeds of arugula, Swiss chard, lettuce, spinach, scallion, sorrel, fennel, nasturgeum, they can be succession scattered to ensure year-round eating pleasure. And what I mean by succession scattered is that you scatter uh, you scatter the seeds, um, you know, like every three weeks or every four weeks. So what happens is that you have a constant supply of that particular crop. Now, your vegetable garden has the potential to feed your family throughout all four seasons at a fraction of the cost of what you pay for equivalent produce at the market. And in winter, you rarely have to turn on a water source. I haven't turned my my outdoor water on since the early part of November, I think it is now. So you can fertilize with your homemade compost. And when you save the seeds of your favorite plants, you also won't have to buy new seed packets. And during every planting period, consider adding an unfamiliar crop that you discovered by perusing seed catalogs. Now, even when the inclement weather is keeping you bundled up by the fire indoors with a cup of hot cocoa or hot tea or, you know, a glass of wine, uh, you might want to take an hour or so to go out in the rain, just as I did, 
to sow your favorite seeds because germination happens underground. And then one sunny day, you'll walk outside and you're going to witness the miracle of nature. So voila, instant leafy greens sown and grown in your personal, hearty, health, home, garden. And something about um, mustard greens. So as a general rule, the larger the mustard green leaf, the stronger its flavor. So if you're serving the greens raw, if you're making like a, 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 you know, a mustard salad, like a Caesar salad, for example, make sure to use the smaller, younger leaves. Not only are they milder tasting, but they're more tender. And then what about the ruffles? Now, mustard greens have wide, frilly edged leaves that look like curly kale, but they lack kale's thick veins. So if you look for greens with a, bright, uh, a really bright pea green color, no yellowing or spots, and crisp stems that aren't too thick, dry, or brown, you can store these greens. Now, on, don't wash them. Wrapped loosely in paper towels uh, in your refrigerator for probably a week. And as I said, mustard greens are peppery and pungent because it's the plant seeds that are ground up to make our favorite condiment that we use on hot dogs and pretzels, right? The actual mustard you get in, gar- in jars. But when they're cooked, they're less bitter. And it, it adds just kind of a nice kick to vegetable soups or even beans. And the leaves have all that fiber and iron as kale, enough to make kale, which is considered one of the queens of superfoods, probably kind of green with envy. So you can also um, use these greens in lots of different things. You can make soups. You could um, make salads. You could do it with pasta. You could do it with with uh, potatoes. And one of the things that I've done is I make like chips. So I chop them up. I toss them with a little olive oil and sea salt. And I put them, you know, on a, on a tin in the oven for a few minutes until they're real crispy. And they are delicious. So a couple of other things that you'll want to do right now is remember to pick up the fallen blooms of camellias. To prevent the fungus, camellia blossom rot, which will cause your blooms to turn brown from the center out. Don't compost those. Put them in the trash bin. Um, Don't mow your lawn after a rain when the soil's too moist. You're going to damage the grass and you cause rivets in the soil. Uh, And this is the final pruning time for your your roses. You can dig canes. And you can dip them in a rooting solution and plant in rich soil. And then you can give them away as hostess gifts. You can grow your own brassicas and leafy greens by sowing the seeds in succession, as I already said. And then make some homemade mustard from the seeds of the wild mustard from the plants. You can also eat the blossoms. And don't forget to feed the birds this winter because it's challenging for them to find uh, food. So thank you so much for being with me every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, allowing me into your life to hopefully help you, you know, soar and succeed. I love being a empowerment architect for you. For more information about Be The Star You Are to make a donation, go to bethestaryouare.org. For information about Star Style or to book consultations, go to cynthiabryan.com. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. I want you to read a book this week, and I hope that it will be either Growing with a Goddess Gardener 
or one of our three Be The Star You Are books. You can find them at CynthiaBryan.com forward slash books. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, encouraging you to be the star you are. Be unapologetically authentic and make this the best month for you of the year. Make a difference. Dream, create, inspire. And be here next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.